0: I didn't get good talking on TV just like that, you know, it's just experience building. So that's the first thing. Now, the the best advice I can give is try to find ways to make it engaging and just easy to understand. For me, it's the biggest barrier I see with researchers is they're, they're used to present in scientific meetings and uh, that kind of stuff, and you need to completely have another way of communicating. Explain things like you would try to explain it to a bunch of kids at a pool party.
1: Welcome to this new episode of Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD. Today, I'm over the moon happy to have with me Olivier Bernard. Olivier is a pharmacist and fellow of the Ordre des Pharmaciens du Québec and has a master's degree in molecular genetics. You may know him as Le Pharmacien, the name of his TV series, book series, and website. Olivier worked for a few years in the pharmaceutical industry, but his fascination and exasperation with scientific and medical myths led him to become a popularizer whose number one enemy is pseudoscience. Since 2012, he has been creating cartoons, writing books, producing and hosting the TV series Les Aventures du Pharmacien. And more recently, the podcast Derive, where he tries to understand how beliefs lead people to tragic fates in their quest for spirituality, health, or personal growth. So where does pseudoscience come from? Why does it have such appeal? How do we dismantle it? These are some of the subjects we're going to be talking about today with Olivier. Olivier, welcome to Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD. Super happy to have you here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um,
1: Olivier... uh, for people who just heard your bio, can you talk about how you came to, you know, start a career as a pharmacist and then, uh, go into a master's in, uh, in molecular genetics, but all throughout, throughout this, uh, this professional journey, including communication and, and, and popularization and, and debunking pseudoscience, how, how did that happen?
0: Yeah, so I always I, I always kind of knew that I would go in uh, the scientific field, probably healthcare. I was I, I kind of liked chemistry and also biology and human health, uh, but you know how the human body works. So I knew I would do something regarding these kind of topics. Uh, so I went in into pharmacy, like just I like this. I didn't know w- what I wanted to do. Uh, I just put pharmacy on my application form for college uh, I liked it but at the end of my uh, at the end of my bachelor's degree uh, I knew i didn't want to be only a pharmacist so when I graduated in two thousand four I wanted to try different things so I did a couple of years in the research lab then I went to work in the in the pharmaceutical industry so I tried different things and then at the end of the day i I felt like I had this need or this uh, urge to try to reach more people, to try to communicate some things regarding scientific myths or uh, uh, you know preconceptions or beliefs. And uh, I tried to just build a website and social medias, which were pretty new at the time. And uh, from 2012, it just started from there Mm
1: -hmm. and a question that i that i have even from our conversation before is there i'm thinking of the the origin story you know of, of of all that you did did pseudoscience did false beliefs have somehow an impact on you or on someone around you while growing up why why this passion for this particular subject
0: yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I don't remember, like, you know, some, I I meet science communicators who also are very interested and involved in soda science, uh, you know, debunking worldwide. And pretty often they have a personal story, like e- either they were themselves, like I, I've met like people who were naturopaths in another career or people who've had someone close to them that had cancer and didn't want to get treatment or I didn't have any of that, to be honest. But I think I was always fascinated by weird things. And, uh, you know, I was I was the kid who I read magazines about UFOs and, uh, you know, the the pyramids were built by aliens. And uh, I think I liked I liked that kind of stuff myself when I was young. But I was asking a lot of questions and maybe not getting the answers. So I think I was always fascinated by that. And when I entered the medical field and I realized, well, you know what? Some people believe stuff that is not true. Like we know for a fact it's not accurate. And it causes them harm. It kind of clicked at that point. Like as a pharmacist, when I, I saw people who were... Like they they had actual measurable arm f- from their beliefs. Um, that's when it started becoming more uh, a concern and a, a passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, for- well,
1: this kind of fast forwards uh, our conversation to uh, d- what you did uh, on Derive, which is the series about uh, people you know looking for things like ayahuasca to, uh, a- a- and then having. Some of them dying eventually, and this is kind of the extreme of what you just said. Uh, although it's not medical, it's 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 something different. But still, these people are looking for something that is going to bring them to another—I don't know—spiritual level or to maybe heal something they have inside emotionally, and they end up fall- falling into this culture. Uh, where there's, you know, it's kind of you were talking about UFOs. It's it's all kind of paranormal to a certain uh, to a certain. Uh, there's a gray area between spirituality and the and and what what you described in the show. But um, I think that's exactly the extreme uh, of what you just said. It's not not taking a treatment for cancer. It's actually taking something that en- ends up leading to your death because you believe somehow you you started believing in a myth or in in a rhetoric about, I don't know, a treatment, a practice, uh, and and uh, that's where I think it it gets difficult. So, in your uh, in your um, experience, you know, all this is reading these things about UFOs, pyram- pyramids, etc., um, exploring and doing this investigative, uh, uh, you know, reporting and 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 creating this this podcast. Uh, around this specific theme you had to travel you had to go talk to people do you have any uh personal um, uh, kind of conclusion not conclusion is not the right term but you no know, personal idea that's forming in your head of what a belief is and and how why do people hang on to them because uh, they hang on to them really hard We 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 can talk about later about how to let, make people depart from false beliefs, but it's really difficult, right?
0: Yes, uh, you know it's it's something I I'm thinking about myself all the time, uh, and you know in 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 my uh, investigative series uh, Derive, uh, you know the the first season was about a woman who went into a sweat lodge, uh, and she she died because it was in an in extreme swe- sweating session, and she she died after many hours being in an extreme sweat experiment the second season is about a young man who was uh, taking more and more uh you know uh halluc- hallucinogens and psychedelics and ended up uh maybe or not maybe harming himself because of that and uh and now I'm, I'm working on a new season now, which is also about someone who went, you know, like at first into this kind of tendency or this kind of trend, and it ended up killing him. And the more I do these kind of stories and the more I realize they're all, they have a lot in common. Um, all of these people, they start by just, they, they, they want to change something about their life they kind of want something better. They want to improve their well-being. They want to improve just feeling good. You know, it just starts with that. Uh, it also, sometimes it's it can be, um, uh, it's, some people want to kind of build a new life for for, for themselves. Like the woman who was in a sweat lodge. She wanted to be also, she wanted to do that kind of stuff herself, like being a mentor or being a, Organizing these events, the young man who took a ayahuasca it's the same thing he wanted to do kind of a, a facilitator so I think that these people what they want is what we all want basically just we want to have good lives uh, fulfilling lives and it's it's a legitimate need uh, of course now there are some things in life that can if you go if you go into the extremes of it, it can be harmful, can be dangerous to yourself. Um, now, it's true for many things. Like I had one specialist give me the example of, uh, you know, mountaineers. They climb Everest and they lose fingers. And they're like, I don't care. Like, for me, climbing these mountains is more important than my fingers. It's hard to, it's hard to understand. But now... I I, I guess it's okay. I mean, if they're okay with that. But a lot of people go into these things, like especially healthcare-related things or spiritual things that kind of, you know, you you said it, like sometimes spirituality blends with science-like statements, like uh, you're going to purify yourself both, your mind and your body and all that. Sometimes they just don't know it's going to be harmful for them. And that I think that's the main, that was the common theme among all of these. It's you know just people doing something that they think is only good and they just disregard all the potential risks. And this is often inside a culture where the risks are very much like, you're not, you're not encouraged to look at the risk, but only what's good about that. And that, I, I think that's one of the things that's the most dangerous. Uh, when it's always, it's all good and it's never harmful, you, it should be a red flag for sure. So it feels to me like, um,
1: from what you're saying, people have this idea of the ideal world or just an idea of how the world works that they feel comfortable with. And sometimes they can be in a situation where they feel uncomfortable. Something is not working, they don't feel fulfilled. And so they they hang on to these beliefs and in and, and the idea of if I get there, everything is going to be fine. And we kind of all of do that in a way. Why why do we work? Why do we build things? Why do we have projects? Because we wanna we want to be fulfilled. But um in 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 the case of, of especially of these of, of Derive, This is quite extreme, but let's say something, maybe something more, very much smaller and with lesser effect. Flat Earth, flat Earthers—they hang on to that idea of flat Earth very strongly, because somehow I guess it life makes more sense to to them like that. But then we can move a little bit and and say, okay, climate change—it's it's it's now it's different. You know, there's people who are on the spectrum of being anxious about. Uh, you know, eco anxious, and 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 actually stressed and actually having mental health issues to do with this, with seeing the world change at a, at a rate that they that that's uncomfortable to them, and 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 that we can see day by day. But then there's people who are just skeptical about it, and uh, I guess for them it's the same thing. Their view of the world, and 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 hanging on to that idea makes them more comfortable waking up every day and saying um saying this is how I see the world and and you know don't change my mind. So I guess your role as someone who wants to debunk uh pseudoscience and and false beliefs is quite difficult because there's a lot of emotion in all of these things. Now you mentioned in another conversation before that sometimes humor is a way to diffuse that and to be able to start a conversation. Is 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 that something I know it's something that you've used in the past, but I imagine there's good practices on how and when to use it, right?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I've I right from the start when I when I started doing cartoons online and videos and in 2012, right from the start there was a lot of humor into it, and I think that's actually I I, I kind. I, what I did was working because of that. It was generating a lot of interest. It's pretty rare to hear, like, you know, prof- healthcare professionals making jokes and all that. Uh, maybe a bit more frequent now, but at the time it was completely unheard of. So I guess it, it worked very well. Now, I think humor can be a double-edged sword. And what I mean by that is that uh, when I started, I was just, you know, uh, yeah, I was I, I was... I was like um, making jokes about a lot of things, not thinking about, yeah, but for some people, it's going to be like, some people are not going to like the fact that I'm maybe laughing a bit about that, like detox, detoxing the beliefs behind that are pretty absurd when you look at it. Like from so- for someone who is in the scientific field, you, you just read about detox. It just makes so much, it's so much nonsense that you can only laugh about it in a way. Now, if you want to just laugh about it, that's fine. You're going to reach quite a few people. But there are, there are some people that uh, you might want to reach that they're not going to respond very well to that. Because if, you, if they watch you just making jokes about that, maybe they'll think you're not credible. Maybe they'll think that you, you, you're not taking this seriously, that you haven't really thought about that. And those who actually promote pseudoscience uh, in, in general, they're usually, well, usually it's hard to say, but a lot of people who are big promoters of pseudoscience, I think they're genuine. I think they're, uh, they're people who really genuinely believe that what they say is true, and they're being very serious. So if you're, I, I think humor is a very good vehicle to explain things, to make it, you know, more, digestible so it's funnier you learn better when it's fun when it's uh, you know but again for me was i over the 10 years or so i've been doing this i've toned down the humor and now i use it in very specific moments and not all the time because again my goal is not to talk to a bunch of people who are already convinced of what i have to say if if i was doing that that would have no purpose what I want is to reach people who who need to hear this stuff, and then sometimes for these people to listen to you humor is not the is not the good vehicle so I think you need to stay flexible with that and in my podcast derive, there's no, no humor at all it's very serious because I thought that was in that case that was the it was not the way to go.
1: It's funny. Uh, I just had a conversation a few, uh, a few episodes ago with Viki Pedno or Biolovic, and she talked about the the concept of punching down. You never want to punch down, and it feels like if you're a scientific and making fun of someone who believes something, you're punching down, and so this person will feel insulted by you and will never engage with you in conversation. So it makes total sense what you're saying. Um, so this this makes me feel that. So humor can be a, a, a conversation starter, uh, never punching down, always to just diffuse attention in the air. But then you need, to, you need to have empathy for the people and some seriousness in your discourse. That's what I'm getting from what you're saying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even me, like right from the start, I had this kind of mantra that was telling myself pretty often is, you can laugh about ideas, but never about people. And I still believe in that. I, I still think it's true. Like there are some ideas and concepts. Like you mentioned Flat Earth before. I mean, we can laugh about Flat Earth. Uh now, laughing about flat earthers, who, people who believe in that, that might not be very productive. But finding the idea funny, of course it's funny. Okay. So I, I think that you can use you can like if if you go into that, it's it's fine. But then Sometimes it kind of just, it's hard to say because sometimes I created content where I was convinced that I was really, really not offending anyone, but just only making jokes about ideas. And there are some people that would still find it offensive. So at the end of the day, you need to find some kind of balance. You cannot produce content that's going to please everyone. That's for sure. That's impossible. If that's your objective that you say like 100% will read that and like it, that's not going to happen. Sorry about that. So for me, it's more about, you know, finding balance, uh, thinking about what's the best way to reach the, as many people as I can. And my personal objective in the last few years has been, you know, I'm, I'm trying to reach people who are, I, try, I, I call them on the fence. You know, people who are not sure what they think, should think about this or this. Like like this new vaccine, is it okay? I'm not sure. I'm I'm kind of not against it, but I'm not I'm kind of worried or for me that's these people, they're the most important of all. You know, those who are convinced that it's it's what is scientific is good. I I I don't need need to to spend time on those. No, and those who are anti science or they have they want to have nothing to do with this or this, I can't do anything for them either so people on the fence and these people you need to have good balance in how you communicate uh, of course, yeah, of course. Sure. No,
1: this makes total total sense and uh, you know I've heard um, I don't remember the name of the podcast now it might have been this American life someone th- there's a, a guy a, an African American who's a jazz person and it's this whole story on how he got people from the KKK to leave the KKK but not not on not by convincing them but they liked jazz so they were there so they had some kind of admiration for him as a musician and that it was and then there was a long process of becoming friends and of the person realizing it it always, for the people who are way back in the 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 skeptical side of things it needs to be an internal path of they need to decide to jump on the other side of the fence themselves it's it's too hard of a fight for one person for you for me to change someone's opinion i think
0: yeah and we've all been there i mean i don't know about you but me when i started doing this i was really going like i'm going to change people's minds <laughs> you know and <laughs> that's cool i mean it's 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 great to have this kind of uh uh i don't know it's kind of optimism in a way but nowadays i don't think like that and i i i relate to what you just said so much like now what I want to do is like maybe add some more perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you 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 believe that that thing. Uh I get that. I, I get what why you, you you think that's uh uh maybe true or I, I get why you're upset or worried about that. I get that. And also part of what you're saying is true. Now I might have some little more information that I would like to share with you if you want, you know. That's really how I approach every topic now, um, and it works better.
1: Yeah, it, because somehow, I guess the way you're crafting what you do, you get people to to go towards you, and then that's half. You've half of the fight is is won just there. Because if you go into someone's face and say, "Here, I have something to tell you," and uh, I'm going to change that, then you you lost. But if you're like kind of just enticing and say, "Hey, uh, I'd love to hear your what you have to say." Actually, I may I may bring one or two variables to 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 your idea, and then the people come. That's half the battle won, I think, and I think it's a it's a great work uh, to doing because it's an effort, I'm sure, to to, to craft things like that.
0: Well, I, I I agree so much, and you know what? Like even as a pharmacist and as healthcare professionals, there's a lot of we talk a lot about that, like for many years now is a lot of our work work is relationship building. Like, if you build a relationship with your patients, with the people who come to see you to have advice, if they see you as someone who's who's trustworthy, as someone uh, who can listen, uh, who can make an effort to get your point of view, I mean, that's where you can have a real impact. Uh, It's not just saying, like, do this and go home and, like, just obey. That doesn't work. That does, just doesn't work. And we see it. I mean, it, I see it at, at the pharmacy. I see it at the clinic. It's just, if you just tell people, do this, they, they eventually they won't do it. But if you build a relationship and they see that you're someone who they can trust, then at the end of the day, you're going to have maybe an impact or an influence on that person's life. I think science communication is very much mm-hmm. the same thing. No, no, I t-
1: totally agree. And um, y- you had mentioned, and you didn't use the word this time, uh, but in our in our conversation in French, and I I had really found it interesting that pharmacists, uh, especially those who are in contact with the public, of course, are influencers in mm-hmm. a certain way. And yeah. uh, and I think it makes total sense with with what, with what you just said. Now. Now, bringing the conversation back to the, the the usual, you know, the audience of beyond the thesis with Papa PhD, I know a lot of these young researchers, be it uh, you know in the PhD, recently graduated or early career researchers, who want to um to embark in in science communication. I see them taking part in events uh, and trying to learn something about science communication, and and I know that d- depending on what they work on, they may be afraid of uh putting themselves out there especially social media today there's there's trolling there's so many so many uh so, so much negative that can come that that can come from these the, the way the platforms are are created but um i really wonder whether you have a word of of inspiration for someone who uh, now has this kind of mission that they want to that they want to uh to embark on to Debunk something, or at least to change some minds about something that's very important to them scientifically, and the feeling I get is that when you come straight out of academia, you are all about data, and I feel that data dumping is an error or is you know it's not the right way to go do you have do you have yeah a word of inspiration and of of maybe a, uh some some advice? for for these young communicators on how to to start having productive conversations
0: yeah absolutely and you know what like I, it, it's almost been like 11 years now that i'm doing you know content like either online or doing tv shows and you know podcasts and stuff on the radio and all and i'm constantly looking for young researchers who are just interested and just they just have a passion for what they do and that they could maybe communicate this to an audience and usually younger audiences. Like I'm, I'm really interested in, you know, people 40 and below and all that. And, uh, you know, I, I contact constantly, like, like even this morning before we talked, I was writing to researchers for a new project I'm working on. And, um, most of the times they, they're, they're, what i see usually is sometimes they don't feel like maybe confident enough like oh i'm not sure i can do that well if you if you don't get the experience you're never going to get good like i didn't get good talking on tv like right just like yeah. that you know <laughs> like it's yeah. just just something <laughs> yeah it's just experience building so that's the first thing uh being afraid of backlash i think we spend too much time worrying about that like i've i i can say with uh, with pretty much good confidence that I've been one of the healthcare professionals who had the most hate in the province of Quebec in the last few years. I got a lot of it and it's not so bad. Like, to be honest, it's not, it's it's really, we, we should not focus about that. Really, it's just most of the time people are so happy. They're so glad. I see it. I see it on, just in the comments of podcasts with researchers, like, People are so happy to like, "Wow, it's so nice to hear someone with this kind of expertise talk about what they do now the the best advice I can give is try to find ways to make it like engaging and just easy to understand um, that's I, I, for me, it's the biggest barrier I see with researchers is they're they're used to present in scientific meetings and uh, that kind of stuff, and you need to completely." have another way of communicating. Really, just talk to, you know, explain things like you would try to explain it to a bunch of kids at a pool party. You know, like there's a bunch of kids who ask you, like, what do you do? And you're like, well, I'm a, I'm a researcher in molecular genetics. All right, now explain it like you would explain to them. And sometimes when I say that, people are like, yeah, but talking like to kids, it's not. I I don't want to be patronizing and all. No, it's not patronizing because, like me, when I want to learn new stuff, that's that's how I want it. I want to start the five year old explanation. So make it m- a lot easier and that that than you think is necessary. Start from there, and then just leave yourself the room to adjust along Simplified. the way. So I guess shed a lot of the data and focus on like one or two key points for a couple of key points what's practical like people don't want to know about the theory so what's practical what's in it for them uh and also um just using normal vocabulary no complicated words and all that uh yeah that's i mean start from there i'm not saying it's all that but start from there
1: now now that's a great starting point uh and uh that's i just got a just had this idea come up of something that that is often uh, mentioned by young researchers or or, or phd students which is that that the question of uh that family dinner where someone uh is i don't know uh doesn't believe in climate change and uh you know having these difficult conversations uh, about vaccines during during COVID for us who are who have studied in this domain of the life sciences, it's super easy to grasp those you know those those data the, those mechanisms those techniques etc. Those technologies, but it's not for other people. And uh, and one of the things that you that you mentioned before is you need to accept that it's not easy for other people to understand and to accept to be able to talk with them, but Going back to this question of, which is particular of, there's someone in your family with whom there's often this kind of bickering of, uh, of the of the skeptic person versus you, and or even it's it re- it reveals itself in other ways of. But what are you doing doing research anyway? Well, you know, get a real job. That's another one that that often <laughs> happens. But but if we go back to to uh, pseudoscience. With someone that's close, do you is, is this something that's happened to you that you've had to tackle? Uh, is it something that um, you have advice on how to tackle to, for for young researchers out there?
0: Oh yeah, I mean it happens to all of us who are in the medical or scientific field. Like you're at this party or this dinner, and someone comes up with this kind of belief or idea regarding that's kind of related to what you do and you know it's completely inaccurate and it's a struggle like myself i've struggled a lot with that um even my my girlfriend was a big help for me because she was telling me how i did in my in- interventions and early on you know that the, the, the results were not that good like uh because it, it, it sometimes you get angry you know when someone's like vaccines or and you work in immunology, it's kind of tough to hear. You know, it's a tough pill to swallow to hear that. You know, the first thing you want to say is, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. And you can do that and never talk to that person again. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's fine. But sometimes, especially in families or in circles of friends, you can't do that. You, there are some people you need to kind of still engage. And find some kind of common ground, and that's my personal strategy. Is what can we agree on, or at least how can I show this person that I'm not the antagonist here? And that's really hard. Like even for me, it's really difficult. So, the 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 strategy, more specifically, that I use is some things I alluded to earlier. I have this four. I have this approach in four steps. The first step is listening to the person, because if you kind of if you immediately just say, no, that's false because of, no, that's, you're not in a conversation. So someone says something that you know is not really accurate. So first listen and ask a couple of questions. Like, why do you think that? Why do you think that this is the right worldview by a position to what other people say? Where did you read about that? Etc. That's the first step. Second step, give empathy. So basically saying to the person, well, I can see that it kind of worries you or you're kind of concerned about that. And I can I can totally get that. I mean, you're I think it's it it's a good thing to maybe be a bit cautious regarding these things or so just validate the person in their feelings or whatever. Then find something that you can both maybe agree on. Like, well, you know, regarding vaccines. Well, of course, there are some vaccines that have been like not so good in the past. It's true. Or maybe their transparency regarding prices are not very, you know, find something you can agree on. If you do these three things, just these three things, well, at that point, you won't be in a position to one another. Okay. Because the person will have seen, well, this person is... He's listening to me. He's asking me questions to better understand what I think. He's giving me some kind of validation. And also, he says that what I'm saying is not completely false. So, And now, once you've done that, if you, f- if you see an opening, then ask the person, hey, I, maybe I have another way of looking at things I would like to propose to you. If, if, if you're interested, if the per- yeah, if the person says no, you're like, okay, no problem, man. Just forget about that. But if the person says, well, yeah, go ahead, uh, well, the person might be much more open at that point to just give it a thought and and just also forget the idea of just convincing the person, like just, just try to add more perspective, maybe another perspective, uh, and the person will I mean, you just plant a yeah. seed, and maybe it will grow later. That's not up to you.
1: I, I love it, and it, it's a great, it's a great way to 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 end our our conversation. Uh, because now, looking back at, at at this half hour that we spent together, the the thing, if I try to summarize it in one image, uh, if if you want to deal with a pseudo with pseudoscience or with a, a false belief. And someone that you feel that uh, based on your knowledge that it's deleterious or potentially deleterious to someone, well, no one likes to be preached at. So don't get on your soapbox and preach. That's the first no, no, don't do that. And I, I kind of want to cr- bring this uh, new concept of the empathic influencer. I feel that if you can put yourself in a position to first be empathic, because you, you, really, you really kind of show the stepwise way to go. First, listen. Then be empathic. Uh, then, then uh, show that you that you were listening by kind of retelling the points that you think makes make sense. And then, if there's if there is an opening, so there's a lot of empathy in this process of you saying, and a lot of patience on your side. So you need to kind of inspire by example, and never by preaching. And uh, and I feel this is kind of. In a nutshell, res- resumes what, what I what I feel your message is and your experience has been, or at least where you're at today uh, in your experience. And the other important thing from what you said, and it's a it's um, can be stressful for, for people because of, of feelings of uh, of imposter feelings, is when you're invited to do something, go for it. You, you don't you don't have the yeah, you don't have absolutely. the credentials, but the person or the organization thought of you respect that respect that that uh that this organization this these people somehow looked at your profile or or read something you wrote and said you know what olivier david whoever uh should be the one sh- you know we will invite them for this experiment for this event for this uh uh content creation uh, uh i don't know uh, platform whatever accept it uh and and it's 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 um it can be difficult because of imposter feelings, of course. Uh, but from what I get, Olivier, you have accepted things before having credentials or official credentials or experience many times throughout your career, and it it just helped you to grow professionally. So I think that's the other key take home for me today.
0: I still don't have credentials, so I mean but it's it's a very it's a very good point. like there's a lot of, of perceived hierarchy sometimes in academia and and I think there's a reason for that. but again, I've met some young researchers that are just they were just amazing to explain things and of course they didn't have the whole baggage of experience of their elders and people who have been in the field for thirty five years. Of course they don't have that, but maybe sometimes you have something else. Maybe you relate or you connect better with younger generations who need to be talked in another way. Or maybe you can bring up uh, examples from things that are more modern from, I don't know, like uh, actual trends uh, on social networks, maybe uh, pop culture references, whatever, you know, like don't don't feel like you you're not good enough. Start from somewhere Inside of your field of expertise, of course. Okay, I'm not saying just say yes to everything. That would be a mistake. But if you feel like yeah, it is within my expertise, then just go for it. And sometimes I, I've done bad interviews in the past, and you know it happens, and it's okay. You just That's learn it. from that. It's, it's all a learning process. And
1: um, and yeah, if someone is giving you an opportunity to try something, uh, to try something new, trust that they that there's a reason why they why they invited you and why they thought of you.
0: Yeah, and maybe offer yourself. Like I, I get that sometimes. People write to me and they're like, if you ever need uh, someone in clinical neuropsychology research, then I'm here for you. And I have, a, I have a Word document where I keep all the names of those people and I do contact them when I get to their topic. So offer yourself. Awesome.
1: Actually, this is a great way also to, to really end our conversation. If someone that's listening uh, wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do so?
0: yeah okay uh to reach out to me what's the best way that's a good that's a good question I'm, I'm uh, running
1: here if you see here below your website your twitter so on facebook le pharmacien on twitter at le pharmacien so if someone do, does want to to offer uh to help you in in your projects is there a is twitter a good way to reach out to you
0: yeah yeah absolutely so i I almost never tweet i tweet like twice a year. So that's the best way to reach me. And I'm actually not joking. So if you send me a message on Twitter, a, a DM, for sure I'm going to get it in my email inbox and I'm going to respond to you. So let's awesome. go for that.
1: Olivier, this was great. Uh, I learned a lot. I think there's a lot of uh, inspiring uh, nuggets of of, uh, of knowledge in, in what you shared today. And um, thanks again for for your time and for accepting to come on. Beyond the Thesis, Papa PhD. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for the invitation. That was uh, that was really cool and, in, and fun and interesting.
1: Thank you for listening to another Beyond the Thesis conversation with me, David Mendez, and my guest, Olivier Bernard. If you found any value in this conversation, please share it with someone like you and help Beyond the Thesis reach as many years as possible. And if you want to help a little bit more, Please go to papaphd.com forward slash audience and fill in the survey that is there for you and leave a comment so I can give you a shout out in a future episode. Thank you for being a fan. Happy listening and happy sharing.